Welcome to That's What She Did. This is one of your hosts, T, along with Michelle Talbert, and we're coming to you every day during the month of March to bring you these stories of inspiring everyday Wonder Women that you've probably never heard of. So grab a mimosa and buckle in. We're about to begin. Hey, 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 Michelle. How's it going today? It is going, T. How are you? I'm good. It's a special day today. It really is. It really well, is. It will be a, like, it'll be a special day when, when this is released. <laughs> We're not recording in real time and like releasing it the same day, just so everybody knows. But when this first hits the airwaves, <laughs> it will be a special day. Yes. What, what day is it? Well, it will be a special day because it'll be March 8th, International Women's Day. Woohoo! Yeah. I mean, we've been rolling out these episodes every day for the month of March for Women's History Month, and we'll continue to do so after today. But today is a special day because it is the day that the entire world is supposed to acknowledge the contributions of women to uh, making our planet a better place, right? That's right. So all you ladies listening, it is International Women's Day. Put on your crowns. Be a boss. You make sure everybody knows. Word. <laughs> I am Michelle Talbert. Welcome to That's What She Did. What's your name, girl? <laughs> I'm Tiju Renee. I always forget to introduce myself. She does. Every single episode. <laughs> I just assume you know who I am like Beyonce. They do not. They do not. They do not. I could dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tiji Renee, your co-host here with That's What She Did. And we're excited to have you join us every day this month of March, Women's History Month. Yeah, we're bringing you stories of everyday wonder women who have done inspiring things, um, who have faced trials and triumphs and come out on the other side to tell about it. And we don't know about them for some reason. So um, <laughs> we've found out about them just through sort of living life and whether it pops up on Amazon as something we should read or, you know, we just hear, a, see a passing uh, Instagram post or a Washington Post article that, piques our interest and says, wait a minute, who's that woman? What did she do? Why don't I know about her? Um, and that's what we're bringing to you each day for each weekday for the month of March. Exactly. Exactly. And today we're, because it's International Women's Day, I thought we would, instead of talking about one woman, we would talk about a really amazing and badass group of women. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Okay. So this is definitely a story about some people that I feel like I don't understand why I don't know about them. And this is a group of women, a group of historical women that I feel like should be taught in every school. <laughs> Who are they, T? You're killing me with the suspense here, man. Okay, I'm excited about this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. Please. So today we're talking about the Ona Bugisha, okay. which are the female samurai warriors of historical Japan. Of which I did not know there were women samurai. I didn't either. I thought that women weren't allowed to be samurai. They, so they weren't, 
they weren't supposed to be warriors, right? We knew they were ninja turtles, but we didn't know they were samurai women. Exactly. Right. This is my point. Like I I stumbled across a picture on the Smithsonian website. Mm. This woman in samurai attire. And I was like, why is she dressed like right, that? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, and Mulan was Chinese. So it's yeah. like, we don't, these are just stories we do not know. We really just don't know. And, it, and it, you know, in the United States, we get very, very little exposure to Japanese culture. Like, really, Asian culture, a lot of different cultures. Let's, culture. be, let's be honest. Let's be real. We export yes. a lot of our culture, but we don't necessarily import a lot of education and culture from other places around the world. Exactly. And I think for Americans, the exposure around Japanese culture is only movies. So we're talking like Disney films, anime, and like Hollywood blockbusters of some kind. So I'm thinking like, when I first learned about them, I tried to think of like, what are the Japanese movies that I've ever seen or that are related to Japanese culture? And I could only think of two, Kill Bill, Mm. which isn't about Japanese culture. There's a, there's a really badass Jap- half Japanese, half American character in that mm-hmm. movie, but it's mm-hmm. not about Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other movie was a horror film that I saw in college called The Audition, um, which is in Japanese with English subtitles. And, and just sidebar is honestly the most horrifying movie I've ever seen in my life. And I had <laughs> nightmares for a month. Mm. <laughs> that movie. Mm. Well, we had The Ring, right? That was based in Japan. That was a terrible movie. I think, that was, I think movie. it was. Yeah, that was a horror. And then um, The Karate Kid. And it wasn't even the first Karate Kid because they didn't go to Japan until the second one, right? Um, so it wasn't until The Karate Kid 2 when Mr. I Miyagi that guy took was him. Korean. Mr. Miyagi, no, they went to Japan. They went to Japan in the second Karate Kid. Okay, that movie is really old, and all this time I thought Pat Mr. Morita, Miyagi. No, but Pat Morita was Japanese, and um, Mr. Miyagi was also Japanese, and they went to Japan. Okay, so that's, that's about it. I don't know why I thought he was Korean. <laughs> no clue, but you're right. And then the films that we do have, kind of the bigger films that are related to Japanese culture, are they definitely seem to be based in like feudal Japan and they're very male dominant. Really the only mm-hmm. women you see are in submissive roles. Right. So tell us about these badass yes. samurai women. Cause I'm excited. I love yes. to fight. So, you know, <laughs> I want to do MMA and box and all that stuff. So tell me about these badass samurai me too, women. Me too. So <laughs> to my surprise and delight, the Ona Bugisha were legendary badasses in uh, feudal Japan. Um, Again, I didn't even think women were allowed to participate in the military or anything even close to that, but they were well known throughout um, Japanese culture and well respected. Um, At some point, they were kind of written out of history, at least on our side of the world. Um, And that's why we don't know about them. But so here's some background. So They were trained in the exact same way the men were in self-defense, offensive maneuvers. Um, They were trained to use weapons in hand-to-hand combat. And they even had some specifically designed weapons for women because they were smaller. Um, And they they learned hand-to-hand combat. So like all of the the fighting, like they could take down a dude. (laughs) Like it was that they were trained to do that. 
Um, and they fought alongside the male samurai warriors as well. Um, and they were held to the exact same standards and expected to perform the same duties. Um, now, the Onobogisha are first mentioned in history um, around 200 AD. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so they came into, into came to be when an empress, an em empress Jingyu, um, was, remember, this is feudal Japan, so it's tribal. Um, I don't think they were called tribes. Whatever word they would have used. Um, but anyways, clans, that's what they were clans. Mm -hmm. um, so Empress Jingyu was, was the wife of an emperor, and they were um, at war with, an, with another clan, and her husband died in battle. Um, and so as a result, she planned and led the next invasion. Um, and, at, and this invasion was major. It was, they were invading Korea. Oh, that's a big one. Yes. Um, and she planned, led, and executed and fought in battle um, during, during that invasion. And she became the first woman to appear on Japanese currency. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, so she didn't appear on Japanese currency until 1881, but she is, of course, renowned for what she did. Um, and then that was, she, so she was kind of the first and then other women started to participate in this and get training and, and it was just a normal part of culture. Um, one way that the Onobagisha contributed specifically is that in a lot of the rural areas, um, you know, people didn't have as much money. And so if there were conflicts and the, the men were away fighting or anything to that effect, rather than pay mercenaries to defend these towns and the, the families that were left behind, that's when the women decided, well, we're just going to train to be samurai ourselves so that we can protect our own communities. And that's how the Onobugisha began to grow. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so through their training, they were trained in all of the major fighting styles of that time. Um, so they learn Kaiken, they earn the art of Tantu, Jutsu in battle. I don't know what any of this stuff is, um, but apparently it was, uh, it was pretty badass, mm -hmm. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, they were known for having an incredible work ethic and were known for being un as, as uncompromising as their male counterparts, the samurai. Sure, sure. Um, so there are many tales of multiple individual onobigisha that were prominent and very fierce and revered. Um, one of the first ones comes from the, like the 12th and 13th centuries, and it was a woman by the name of Nakano Takiko. She lived in the 19th century. Wait, did I get that wrong? She lived in the 19th century, not the 12th century. Please oh, okay. excuse me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so she was. So she was widely considered to be the last great female samurai warrior. 
and was the last. So sh she was, she considered to like be the last standing Onubigisha. Um, and after her, the reign of the Onubigisha kind of declined because not by any fault of their own, but because Jap Japan was changing at that time. Um, and they were moving away from being like feudal Japan and they were, there was like all this kind of reformation or something happening um, and they started to become huge empire. Um, and so that's why they say that there was a decline in the Onubigisha and they started to go away. But Takiko was like the last great one and she's highly revered. People to this day know exactly who she was. She's described as, as having incredible talent in the battlefield as well as being of extremely high intellect. She had a knack for heart, archery and horseback riding. And she was said to have been able to take a man down whether she was on a horse or on foot, it didn't matter. That's awesome. Yeah, That's she's awesome. known in battle for having led a charge against an Imperial Japanese army of troops and she was shot in the chest. Mm. Um, and she knew that she was going to die. And so she asked her sister, Yoko, who was also an Onobigisha, to cut her head off and have it buried rather than to allow the enemy to seize her body as a trophy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so her sister did what she was asked and she took her head to a temple and buried it underneath a pine tree. And there's now a monument to her at, in that area. Wow. And she's just, she's like kind of the last great Onobigisha. Um, the Empress was kind of the first Onub, uh, great Onobigisha. And then there was this woman that was kind of in the middle of them. And she, her name was Tomei Gozen. And she's also a highly revered fighter. And there's a great story about her in something called The Tale of the Hikai which is kind it's compared to the, the Iliad. It's like the Japanese Iliad. Okay. She's described as being especially beautiful. And they did, there was actually a picture of her on the Smithsonian website and she was, she was really beautiful, um, but she was also a remarkably strong archer and a swordswoman with the katana sword, um, which apparently is a big deal. It is. <laughs> yeah, things are heavy. <laughs> yeah, and she's she looks very small in the picture. Like when I first saw her picture, I initially I thought I was looking at a picture of like a teenage girl, petite mm -hmm. and, and kind of delicate looking. But she was a fierce, fierce, fierce woman in battle. Um, and she was she's known as Japan's first true general. In 1184, she led 300 samurai into battle against 2,000 opposing Tiara clan members and was only one of five to survive. That's incredible. Yeah. Later in the year, she was defeated in battle by another clan. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, she defeated another prominent clan and defeated herself the, the most prominent warrior of that clan by decapitating him and keeping his head as a trophy. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah so, they, so that's why the other one knew that's what they do. They take the head and that's the trophy. Yeah. So, so they knew. I mean, to me, I think one of the most incredible pieces is that 
aside from their own badassery individually of the three women you highlighted, is that the the their tools were made specifically for them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like like I you know I, I offhandedly mentioned Mulan was chasing. And at Disney, she's fitting herself into what is made for men. But mm-hmm. these women were revered. They knew that their armor had to be what it needed to be for them to be able to be at their optimal. Um, and so, you know, that their tools were made smaller to fit their hands and things like yeah. that spoke, speaks to me about how the, the entire ethos of the country knew that these warriors were very important and that we, we, they needed to have the tools that they needed to be able to be successful and yeah. win in battle. And I think that's really cool. That's, that's a level of respect. Yes. And know? it was just a, a normal part of their, their life and culture. Right. It wasn't like, oh, you're a, doing something you know? extraordinary. Or yeah. It, it wasn't looked at, at like that. And, and, you know, you, you paid, whether you were um, an Onagisha or a samurai, you paid your dues. And if mm-hmm. you earn the respect of your fellow warriors, then, then you had it. Right. And that was that you had proved yourself. And so, you know, that's, that was really incredible to me. Cause I, it definitely hasn't been that way historically here in, in the West. Right. Exactly. So it was just incredible. Like I didn't even know they existed until a week ago, you know? Right. How incredible would those stories be to see on the big screen for little girls? Mm-hmm. Of, and, of, of yeah. whatever ethnicity. And they weren't a minority. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it did say that they made up a large part of the overall samurai forces, mm. uh, which was really in- incredible to me. But when their reign ended after Takiko, um, women warriors still remain. But again, there was a decline through the 1800s because, and because of just whatever was happening uh, socially and economically in Japan at the time. But when women continued to defy general uh, gender roles, even though the Ono Bugisha themselves weren't really um, as prominent, and they continued to participate in battle um, in other, in other ways and as warriors as well. Right. But meanwhile, um, in the modern world, the modern world really, you know, took notice of the idea of samurai warriors right? That like they became this kind of mythical mm-hmm. kind of idea. And so they, they've always been depicted and believed to be these kind of big, strong men. And women are just very submissive. It's assumed that women are always very submissive in Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but the history d- of these women doesn't support that. Um, and then that this kind of um, mythology that happened around the samurai in our, our culture and Western culture, I think kind of effectively buried the legend and the fact of the history around the Onobugisha and almost like wrote them out of history as far as we're concerned in the West. Um, I've never been to Japan. I have no idea um, what it looks like there and and how they're talked about now, but it was, it was really amazing to me. Yeah, I'm excited. This is a great story to tell. And I hope that this actually gets some legs and more stories like this are told, you know, that's why I really appreciate being a part of that's what she did, because these stories of women 
all over the world at different touch points in history are so important and they're lost. I mean, unless you are some type of scholar studying or on the Smithsonian's website, um, you're not going (laughs) to, you know, so that, that's great. Thank you for bringing that. You're not going to know. And remember like these women were around for a long time. They, they came into existence at around 200 AD and went like, into the 19th century. That's correct. It's a very long time. So these are exactly the kind of stories that I'm happy to bring um, through this podcast and share with every, everyone because it's, it's so amazing and it's so inspiring. And it, and it also gives you that, that opportunity to see culture from a, a completely different angle that you didn't even know was there, um, which is why I wanted to share the story of these women on today international women's day (laughs) (laughs) well we definitely are um, looking forward to an incredible international women's day for ourselves and for you and if you want to share with us what you're doing on international women's day um, you can shoot us an email at that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. And of course you can reach us on social media. I'm at Michelle Y Talbert on Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time uh, on Instagram and Tangia. How can they reach yes, you on social? You so on social on Instagram, you'll mostly find me at hello gorgeous fitness or at Tangia Renee, both Instagram accounts, or, you know, you can just go to my website and email me directly if you'd like to, tangiarenee.com. So definitely fill us in on how you're spending this International Women's Day. And even if you're listening to this after International Women's Day, let us know. Right. That's it for today on That's What She Did and on International Women's Day. So we hope you enjoyed that story. And don't forget to subscribe share with your friends and family and we want to hear from you you know how to reach us but just in case you missed it you can reach either michelle or i at that's what she did podcast at gmail.com see you next next time You just heard an episode of that's what she did bringing you stories of incredible women doing incredible things make sure you join us again tomorrow as we bring you the deets on another everyday wonder woman to inspire you on your journey Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Oh, and make sure you share it with your friends. Spread the love. Bye.